0: Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training
1: platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills.
0: There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com
1: slash metaverse impact. Hi, this is Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. There are many life changes that can happen after divorce that make it difficult or impossible to uphold requirements of your divorce decree. The orders issued in a divorce are based on the facts presented at that time, but the circumstances used in issuing those orders can obviously change. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404.
0: You are listening to The Bird Calls on the the off-the-glass, nothing-but-net-and-up-and-under networks. For more on your Pelicans, go to iTunes, search The Bird Calls, and subscribe today. Is up, Pelicans fans. We are winners over the Houston Rockets, a team that won 65 games last year. Of course, you are listening to the bird calls, and we are under the birdrights.com network, the SB Nation uh, affiliate. I am joined here by editor in chief, Ali cosell who is furiously uh editing my recap as we speak. We're also joined by David Grubb of Crescent City Sports. Uh, you can follow him at DM Grubb and at Ali Cosell. I, of course, am at Preston Ellis. So let's dive right, in, right on in, guys. Ali, I know you're working, so I'm going to throw it to David uh, first. The Pelicans got off to a 14-6 run. Never. Tried- Hi, this
1: is Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. There are many life changes that can happen after divorce that make it difficult or impossible to uphold requirements of your divorce decree. The orders issued in a divorce are based on the facts presented at that time. But the circumstances used in issuing those orders can obviously change. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404.
0: Held All the starters in double digits. Uh, the Rockets had seemingly no answer for Julius Randle, Nikola Mirotic, and Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis, who came very close to a triple-double. Alfred Payton got one of his own. Talk about just just... Take the floor, let
2: it flow, and talk about what stood out to you the most. Well, I think the the biggest question everybody had going into this game was what kind of defense were the Pelicans going to play Um, because we didn't see the the defensive intensity um, that you want out of a contender uh, in the preseason, and we were constantly told by the team, "It's preseason will be okay, It's preseason will be okay, Um, but the indicators weren't there. Uh, But tonight the defense started the offense. They were able to force the Rockets uh, into taking some shots that they didn't want to take. Uh, they, uh, you know, they didn't, they didn't allow the Rockets to get into the lane. And I think the biggest thing was that the Pelicans for the first time in a long time, just continued to punish mis- mismatches. You know, we didn't see that all the time last year. There were times where the ball was forced tonight. It flowed so well where they recognized mismatches early, got the ball to that person and let them make decisions. And the decisions were usually the right one tonight, whether it was Drew or Etwan or Alfred Payton or Anthony Davis, you know, uh, or Julius Randle, Nico Miritich. Everybody was making the right decision with the basketball tonight. People were moving off the ball. Uh, you know, obviously the field goal percentage was extremely high. So you, you don't expect it to be 60% every night uh, over the course of a season. But, I mean, the decision-making was just so impressive tonight. And then especially for AD, you continue to see the mature, maturing of his game. Um, you know, Drew Holiday looked in midseason form defensively, and he didn't have to be big offensively because everyone else was so well-rounded. So I think just the biggest thing was the decision-making. We don't know more about the bench because they didn't really play a lot of minutes. They did give up some of the lead. Um, but I think, you know, the starting five um, will be as competitive as any starting five in the league. Uh, and, and, and if you're going to be play against the Pelicans – you can't show up with with small guys in your front line. And the Rockets, you know, threw out a 6'4 PJ Tucker who works hard, but you can't guard Anthony Davis with him. And the switches that they were making, it was James Harden was on AD at times. Chris Paul was on AD, and Carmelo Anthony was on AD. Any one of those is a bad matchup. And the Rockets just couldn't figure that out tonight.
0: Ali, let's start with Anthony Davis. Uh, As he was just suggesting, let's look at his final tallied stat line. 32 points, 16 rebounds, eight assists, a career high. Seven was the previous mark. Three steals, three blocks, plus 23 on the night in 39 minutes on 13 of 21 shooting. Got to the line seven times, converted six of those. Thoroughly dominated Clint Capella all game long. I think uh, Capella is fresh off that uh, newly inked five-year, $90 million contract, something along those lines. But he seemingly did it all, attacking P.J. Tucker in the post, as Krav just mentioned. But something that we relished early on in the second quarter, something that I saw you refer to in the tw- uh, on Twitter, was passing out of double teams, passing in the post, finding the cutter underneath the rim, something that we haven't really seen too much from uh, Anthony Davis as a facilitator, getting easy looks for teammates. How has his game grown
3: just from last season to now, Ali? Oh, well, you just nailed it. That's one of the biggest keys. And it was just great to see in the beginning of the game, his awareness. Every time he caught the ball, he knew where every player was, where every defender was. As to where just last year, we were watching him get pickpocketed rather easily, or even the own, his own guy guarding him would be able to strip him rather easily, uh, whether on a drive or just holding the ball, you know? So right then and there, you already see the uh, improvement. And then when he started making these passes, he was finding these guys that we've always dreamed about. We've always talked about, and we weren't sure if AD could add that to his game. But <laughs> if game one's any indication, he definitely has. And, of course, he's also added a little bit more dribbling, a little bit more ball handling. We didn't get to see the three-point ball. But, I mean, other than that, I mean, it's it was spectacular, Preston. Like I said, the, for uh, Anthony Davis to be able to dominate the game uh, and possibly be in the MVP conversation realistically – he has to be able to put his team on his back like LeBron does, like Kevin Durant does. And that means facilitating for others. That means that you're not kind of a black hole in offense as to where you're you're relying on everybody else to get you involved. And then once you do get the touch, it ends up with you taking a shot. When we saw absolutely that was not the case tonight. So I'm excited. And this, this is just a wonderful thing for New Orleans. Uh, everybody saw the numbers with AD, and that's true. He posted these huge numbers. But – All of us that really followed the team closely knew that he needed to add more to his game to be able to really put, uh, like I said, New Orleans on there on on his back. you got to be able to do just everything as an offensive player in this league if you want to carry your team offensively. And tonight we saw it.
0: David. There's so much to touch upon. I want to go next to, if you want to circle back to Anthony Davis, by all means, but after that, we're going to go to Nikola Mirotic and Julius Randle. They combined for 55 points on 20 of 35 shooting from the field. Nikola Mirotic was lights out from three-point range all game long, six of eight from there, along with 10 rebounds. He had a double-double early in the third quarter. Uh, These guys just seemingly did it all. I mentioned Julius Randle, 25 points in 24 minutes, and not just a scoring threat, but he took the ball up and down the court uh he was a movable defender he facilitated with three assists he had those two nice uh given goes to anthony davis uh that kind of put a halt to the houston rockets late uh run in the fourth quarter as they tried to close the gap i mean these guys seemingly the three of them together looked unstoppable is this just a matchup against the houston rockets that the pelicans were able to take advantage of or do you expect them to be able to do this all season long
2: well, I think matchups certainly do figure into it. Um, I, I expect them to have nights like this. Um, they they have the talent to do that. Um, but you know, like I said, against the Rockets, their front line was just completely mismatched tonight. You have a two hundred and ten pound, two hundred fifteen pound Clint Capella and Anthony Davis. You know, has the bulk now. They list him at two forty five. He looks bigger than that. Um, and and you have Julius Randle, who is is, is just a stone mountain coming down the lane, you know, uh, and rolling and bowling ball through people. And then Niko Miritich at his size at 6'10", and, and able to shoot the ball over people. And you saw that on a number of occasions tonight. So I think, you know, the matchup certainly helped. But, no, you're not going to see 82 games of this. But, yeah, against certain teams, I, yeah, all three of them should get 25 or more. There are games that that should happen on on, on for this group uh, but yeah um, there's going to be some some nights where they struggle too because it, it because of those matchups because um, I think you know you saw Julius take a couple threes tonight this guy's a career 25% three-point shooter so you don't want games where he falls in love with his three the threat of it being there great but if he's if he starts taking four or five I think that would be too many even with Nico tonight great to go six for He hits his first six threes Again, the Pelicans are best when their threes come in, the rhythm of the offense, and I think the vast majority of them did tonight, but there are also nights when we know this team will take them in a rush. So, yeah, the matchup was favorable, but again, I would expect these guys to do this multiple times this season.
0: Yeah, Ali. Let's move on to another uh, guy playing his first game in a Pelicans yeah, me, uniform. I just,
3: I just, I just have to mention. I told you so. That's all I wanted to say. <laughs> Nikola Miritich and Julius Randall. Ever since Randall came on board, and I kept on saying, no, 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 give it a chance. Let's see what they do. But I always thought that it would probably be our best route. So. It's probably only going to just be one game, but I gotta to to say it. Sorry, go ahead.
0: No, absolutely. You're absolutely right. You get the winner's spoils tonight. Uh, those guys were automatic. Uh, there were always two of them on the floor at any given time. Uh, it just a spectacular performance all the way around against the Rockets tonight. Led from the beginning. Uh, this this is supposed to be the the greatest challenger in the Western Conference to the Warriors. They were just one Chris Paul hamstring away from advancing against the Cleveland Cavaliers and possibly winning the title, and the Pelicans had their way with them all night long, so you certainly get any Spoils. speaking of spoils ollie we got to talk about alfred payton 37 minutes plus 23 on the night 10 points 10 rebounds 10 assists his first night as a pelican he gets a triple double i know we fall in love with the numbers but basically we just saw him be effective we saw him attack the rim he didn't settle for those long jumpers He did all the little things. Uh, Defensively, he helped keep Chris Paul and James Harden. Uh, And I do want to talk about the Pelicans' game plan there. They allowed P.J. Tucker to kind of have his way, kind of have his shot. He finished with four of seven from three-point range and led the Rockets with 19 points. Sorry, uh, Eric Gordon had 21. But the Pelicans made a concerted effort from the beginning They were not going to allow James Harden and Chris Paul to switch. They were going to double-team them in those instances, leaving P.J. Tucker open. But a lot of that falls to Alfred Payton. Defensively, he did what we hoped he would do tonight. It helped slow down the scoring of Chris Paul and James Harden. Talk about what impressed you most about Alfred Payton tonight.
3: Yeah, the numbers were great, but the one thing I'm looking at, and it's the one turnover he had. I'll be honest, guys. I saw a lot of uh, the Pelicans players slacking in preseason, but I always thought Mm -hmm. that Alfred Payton was trying. And he was kind of trying pretty hard to not only fit in, but to do well. And you saw it in, in uh, training camp, then in the practices during the preseason. And even in the preseason games, you know what? His reads were bad. His um, instincts mm-hmm. were bad. He, he was, you know, losing the dribble off his foot, I remember. His defense, while the effort was there, his defense was kind of below average too. I saw he was just taking either long routes around a screen or something along that nature. So he looked like he was out of sorts. But like I said, I thought that he was one of the few Pelicans – who i thought was you know trying relatively hard to impress and so for him to post tonight's game and you're right Preston. i thought the best thing he did that, besides that one turnover was making the right read and just attacking the rim hard because uh the pelican or the the rockets were crowding ad on several possessions quite a lot you know even double teaming when he didn't have the ball or they were really up on drew holiday or Nicole Miritich out on the perimeter so alfred had worlds of space but uh Good for him. He took advantage of it and he got to the rim and he converted. I know he missed those two free throws. And what did he have, guys? A couple of, I think, looks from three point range, but you yeah, know, he was over two that, times, but yeah. it would be nice to he make the free throws. But other than that, stellar game. You got to give him an A concerning what we saw at a preseason. Oh, and defensively, real quick, I noticed him. He actually frustrated both Chris Paul and James Harden at times where he got his uh, hands in, in the passing lane as well as not letting those two guys around them uh, that much, just like Drew Holiday. So, Maybe all this talk that we heard in preseason, you know, even on media day that uh, the Pelicans backcourt of Drew Holiday and Alfred Payton would be the best one defensively. Maybe those guys are right.
0: I'm going to be patient with that kind of talk. I know David and I have talked in the offseason <laughs> that Alfred Payton uh, – <laughs> Alfred Payton does this back-to-back nights, sometimes two weeks at a time. He goes on these significant runs that makes it look like he could be an an all-star level caliber player at some point in his future. But then he always often regresses to the mean. David, uh, we did talk about defensively his performance as well as Drew Holiday. I want to continue with that line of thinking. Uh, Obviously, they frustrated James Harden. Uh, and Chris Paul, uh, a la the way they did to Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum in the playoffs last year. The Rockets on the night, 42%, 33% from three-point range. Uh, Didn't let them get any points in transition, kind of mitigated that as well. They got back on defense quickly, just 44 points in the paint, did not let them attack. Talk about the defensive performance because that was our principal concern. The Pelicans allowed 125 per game in their five preseason games, but they put the clamps on early in this one.
2: Well, it was interesting, as you saw in the first quarter, it seemed like the Rockets were really getting a lot of action in the pick and roll. That was allowing them, when they closed the gap um, in, the, in the first quarter after the Pelicans had gotten off to that great start, it was because they were continuously running that pick and roll. And that would even gave Capella a couple of quick dunks um, after he had gotten stuffed by AD, and Harden was able to get into the lane. Well, the Pelicans made the adjustment, and they stopped letting the Rockets get deep into the paint um, in the half court. Now the Rockets were able to do it if, on a couple of other occasions, but when Harden wasn't able to get to the lane and they weren't hitting their shots on the outside, they took nothing from the mid range. And I know that's their philosophy to not take shots um, in the mid range, but they got nothing, nothing in that area. So they didn't adjust offensively to where they could get to the areas where the Pelicans would give them an advantage. And that started with the guard play uh, between Drew And um, Alfred just not allowing Chris Paul and and James Harden to turn the corner, to not make that body contact that Harden likes to make to get to the free throw line. I thought that was just huge because then it allowed Anthony Davis and Julius Randle to get back into the paint on guys who were trying to cut and to make it harder for them to score. I mean, you saw it when Carmelo Anthony comes out, hits a couple jumpers. But when he tried to get into the lane, tried to back down people. Julius Randle was able to frustrate him. A.D. was able to frustrate him. They couldn't get anything in the post area, and they couldn't get anything in the pick and roll afterwards. So their offense became extremely one-dimensional. So I think Darren Irman did a great job of an adjustment after the first quarter, um, you know, to to really cut the Rockets' head off uh, offensively.
0: Ali, just to pump the brakes on the optimism for just one second. The Pelicans had three starters play 37 minutes or more. Mm-hmm. Nikola Mirotic had 30. Moore had 34. Off the bench, uh, a disappointing performance again from Darius Miller and Solomon Hill. Darius Miller looked gun-shy yet again. Only two shots, missed both of them. Solomon Hill, one for three, looked out of sorts from time to time. The Pelicans did not give the nod to Frank Jackson, Jaleel Okafor, who was said to be available tonight. Uh, Ian Clark got no minutes off the bench. Obviously, we might see West Johnson and Tim Frazier in the future, but tonight they were held out for obvious reasons. Ali, the the Pelicans roster looks six men deep right now, doesn't it?
3: Yeah, but what's funny, my first thought came to me when you were reading all the negatives was what there's room for improvement. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, you're right. It it does look like, but you know, I think they're seven deep. I think Darius Miller tonight did look a little bit apprehensive. Um, he he missed, he, he short armed a three pointer. And then he also had, I forget, there was a foul. Uh, I forget who he fouled. It might have been James Harden or somebody on the drive. And he looked really off, you know. So he wasn't the same guy that I noticed all preseason. And you know what? I think that Darius Miller is still going to have a really good year. So I would call the Pelicans 70 as of this moment. And this isn't just my, you know, what I've noticed. But I've also talked to some Pelicans people. um, And they think Darius Miller is in store for a big year. They've kind of noticed what we've all noticed where, it's not just his shooting, but his movement is better, cleaner. He's lost some weight. So, again, his, his game has improved, but we just didn't get to see it tonight. But, yeah, Preston, seven deep is not going to get it done at this pace. Um, I think we all even noticed that they were kind of winded that. They towards the end of that third quarter where, what was it, Houston made like a 12-to-1 run before the Pels mm-hmm. kind of righted the ship and went on a 6-0 run of their own. Uh, so, yeah, that's going to be a little bit of a concern because, let's face it, they won't be able to handle an injury or let's say a back-to-back. So you you hope that, you know, maybe this was just because it's the Houston Rockets. Maybe there was a premium put on this game. And then so against the Kings, maybe we'll see Ian Clark back in there, either Ian Clark or Frank Jackson pick up a little bit more guard minutes and uh, so on. You know, maybe J.L. Okafor will get in there a little bit more. But you know what? It's hard to fault anything what the Pelicans did tonight simply because they played so well together as a union as to where they look so disjointed over preseason. Um, so, you know, I know was seven, only seven men, pressed eight men, I'm sorry, that played the major minutes, but um, it's hard to criticize. It's just one game out of 82. So you got to think some other guys are going to emerge.
0: All right. Now we're joined by Jamile Dunn of Uh You can follow him at JamDunn06. Is that right, Jamile?
4: Yeah, Jam yeah, JamDunn06.
0: Great. Uh, Jamal, we've talked a little bit about the Pelicans big, obviously, and the performance of newly acquired Alfred Payton, but I want to talk about the other two backcourt mates, each one more and Drew Holiday didn't necessarily get the point totals, but did wonders in terms of, uh, I guess, Minimalizing what James Harden, Chris Paul, and Eric Gordon were able to do on the night. Really high plus minus numbers for all of them. Efficient from the field. Etwan Moore, 8 of 12. He helped stop a couple of runs in the fourth quarter with a couple of runners of his own. Drew Holiday, we just talked about his hounding defense of James Harden and Chris Paul. Whenever those guys would manage a switch, Drew Holiday would hound them and chase them down, double teaming them, forcing them to give up the ball. Talk a little bit about what you saw from Etwan Moore and Drew Holiday on a night that might have been quiet statistically. Uh, finished with 21 points wow he exploded in the second half uh talk a little bit about their performances tonight
4: yeah i i thought both of them uh played 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 really well i mean obviously drew had sort of a, a slow night offensively so he'll have better better days uh ahead in terms of the offensive side of the game but i thought it was kind of interesting while i was watching the game i was thinking this is kind of the inverse of what you see with a lot of teams where the big men are um uh, are, are doing all the dirty work, and then the guards are, you know, getting all the all the shine. This team is kind of inverse, where I mean, the big men obviously do a ton of dirty work too, but 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 they were really, you know, taking care of Harden and Paul. So that's 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 the the first priority if you're playing the Rockets, staying up on those guys so that they don't walk into those open threes that they're so dangerous with. So I thought they did a great job there. Um, Holiday was great on Harden, especially early, uh, like in the in the first half. I uh, really never let Harden get into a rhythm. Um, I wish offensively, Holiday would have been a little more aggressive. But then on the other side, you could argue that, you know, there, there's something to players who understand the night. Um, and sometimes everybody's got it going and you don't quite have it going. And it's okay sometimes to defer on those nights and say, hey, you know, Randall's going. Nico is hitting literally everything. AD, obviously, is being AD. Even uh, Etwan, as you mentioned, was having a good game. Peyton was doing some things. So, you know, I, I think he kind of recognized that and, and didn't take more initiative, but as they go forward, they're going to need him to be aggressive with the ball, um, uh, doing several po- points in the game where he's going to need to get the defense moving. Uh, but but maybe he was just trying to play within within the flow of what was going on tonight, so maybe I'll give him a break on that. But and that was kind of my only real critique of the two. I thought more. I mean, he—he. He, this is why you love him, Preston. Like, this is why he's your <laughs> guy. Like, he's the ultimate glue guy. Um, and you know, he. There were a ton of open looks tonight for a lot of people. So, you know, he's a great shooter. So, if you if you do give him wide open looks, he's going to hit them. But I thought he also moved the ball. He moved off the ball. Everybody's movement off the ball for most of the game was was really good. But of course, Etuan, uh was. Was excelling in that area and just keeping everything going and and uh, guarding Paul when he had to, holding his own on Harden when he had to. There were a couple switches where he had some some bigger guys on him that he held his own uh, there. You know, as much as you can can expect for a guy giving up that much that much size. So I thought he had a good game.
0: Jamal, let me give you a quick follow up since you're just joining us. This is from Waka Waka Wakanda. He asks, who impressed you the most tonight?
4: Uh, it, it's tough because that answer should pretty much always be Anthony Davis, but, um, I mean, gosh, man, it's tough. I, I'm going to give you like, you know, like a little bonus, a bonus answer, uh, Walker, Walker, Wakanda. So I, I, I think I there were two. two first eighties passing. I don't know if you guys mentioned that already or not, but I mean, if, if that's, if he's unlocked that piece of his game, um, I, I I'm not sure how high he can go. Like he's, unstoppable if he's just going to beat the double teams with amazing passes. Like there was one in particular where he was in the post uh, on on the left side of the court and they double him. And then I think it was Holiday, it was either Holiday or Moore or someone uh, cut under the basket. So they're open under the basket and he does a behind the back uh, pass to them, you know, from, from his position in the post, he's facing up. Right. So, um, and I was like, wow, I've literally, there's not many times, now having watched him for so many years that he does something I'm like oh, I've never seen that I've never seen it before. It's always like yeah well you know yeah, he he he's done that. I've literally never seen him make a pass like that um before. So hopefully that's um something that's going to continue but we'll we'll see on there. But uh beyond AD I would have to say Alfred Alfred Payton just because of my the love you know the level of expectation I had for him and he did exactly what I had hoped he would do which was be aggressive, not turn the ball over. And he, he was good defensively. I mean, he was good defensively. Uh, he had There were a couple of gaffes he had uh, at certain points, especially in the first half I saw where things kind of got haywire. But some of that is kind of their pace because they play so fast, things kind of get loose at times. But um, overall, he did a good job. You could see that Chris Paul did have some issues with his size. Uh, which is what you wanna see. That that's the benefit of having a guy that big. So I'm really encouraged, um, that I was right and Preston was wrong. So, I mean, that was, was good.
0: <laughs> well said, sir. Uh, let's go over to David because we were talking about something uh, that Jamal just uh, addressed. David and I were DMing about it on Twitter, uh, specifically about that behind the back bounce pass to a cutting true holiday. And then on the ensuing possession, after he just finished rejecting, I think it was Melo on the previous possession, he followed it with another pass under the basket, I think this time to Nikola Miritich. David, we were talking about how far he can ascend with this new aspect of his game. How much better can Anthony Davis become offensively with this new tool? And do you think that this is something that really has grown this significantly over one summer?
2: Now, I think, again, we should take this with a little bit of a grain of salt. I'm not trying to downplay it at all. But again, when you have P.J. Tucker behind you at 6'4", that's what you expect Anthony Davis to do. The difference is before he wouldn't have done that. So against the guy like PJ T- Tucker or against um, James Ennis or Michael Carter-Williams, all these guys who were smaller than him who were defending him tonight, that was the smart play. And he recognized that and took advantage of it. And I think that that's the difference is the recognition. Every night is not going to be, oh, AD's going to have six, seven, eight assists. Let's not start expecting that. But if he can be at three and four every night... And recognizing when to get rid of the ball, when to, to to make his move. If that's a change, then yeah, that that is a significant upgrade. I still th- would love to see AD um, not do the thing where he settles for jumpers um, like he did in the third. I think I think fatigue was a part of that. And in the early fourth, he did a little bit of that, and then I'd still would like to see him add that one go to post move. But again, that's you know we're we're quibbling at the Mona Lisa. But as far as the passing, yeah, I think it's, it's a development, and I think it will continue to improve. I don't think it's as high as it is tonight. This is the outlier. You're not going to get eight assists every night out of AD. But I think the mentality of recognizing when you have a mismatch, getting rid of the ball quickly and when, you, when uh, the double team comes or when the mismatch um, does, is not beneficial for you scoring and you see that guy cutting. I think that recognition is, like I said, is is, is is a maturation of his of his game, which will take him to a, another level. But that level is still, you know, he's in that top one percent of the top one percent of this league already.
0: Yeah, we talked to Ben Debosa of Locked On Rockets, and he said they were a little bit uh, shorthanded in the front court behind Clint Capella, and he lamented about Clint Capella possibly getting into foul trouble and them having no solution for Anthony Davis, Nikola Meritich, and Julius Randle. And that prompts me to this next question, Ali. The Pelicans have the Kings, the Clippers, the Nets on the docket. Now we've seen how small ball fares against the Pelicans, albeit in a small sample size. But we saw the Pelicans out-rebound the Rockets by 17, 54 to 37. Of course, everybody knows the points in the paint, 76 to 44. The Pelicans had 36 assisted uh, Shots are on 52 makes, and a lot of those came from the big men, just that 4-5 pick-and-roll, the 3-4 game underneath the paint. back Baskets just coming too easily for these big men. Ali, do you think the league takes a look at this game and starts going big against the Pelicans in the future?
3: Well, even if they want to, do they have the uh, personnel on the rosters to do it? You know, with this new small ball craze, as we've noticed, there's less and less centers on teams now uh, where everybody basically wants to have that big guy that can not only move quickly, but also be able to shoot the ball. So, you know what? I don't think there's too many teams out there that can, say, handle uh, a pairing of Julius Randle and Anthony Davis out there at the same time. Um, and again, we kind of all figured this would happen. You know, as long as the Pelicans would force the issue, go down in the post, or at least just somehow get the ball in the paint and, and just pound away, maybe pound that offensive glass, that they should have the upper advantage. And you know what? We wish for this last year, kind of when we still had DeMarcus Cousins, All too often, we didn't see them really utilize their size, especially in some really bad losses. But this opening game, we saw them do just that. And so you're right, Preston. The other teams have to be wondering, wow, not only can this team play fast, not only can they defend all five positions, but they're big. So we're going to have to kind of be able to muscle them out of the paint. And like I said, I don't think a lot of teams have the requisite or just their size on the roster to be able to do that. So upper hand, New Orleans.
0: All right, Jamal, let's talk about Nikola Meritich's shooting because he had 10 points early on in the first quarter. And when when Mate- when Meritich comes out firing like he did uh, in a couple of games against the Blazers in round one, the Pelicans seemingly are unstoppable. They're a freight train that just cannot be caught. Nobody can keep up with the pace of the Pelicans or the scoring outside of maybe the the Warriors and the Rockets in other uh, instances. But tonight, he just had it, six of eight from three-point range. Anytime the Rockets mounted a run, he was able to quickly quell whatever uh momentum they were getting to he's not going to shoot like this every night just how big uh is his contribution when he is electric like this and if he's not firing on all cylinders what other aspects of his offensive game do you expect him to start employing
4: yeah so i mean yeah tonight he was uh he was on fire right he's my each one more right so <laughs> um yeah it won't be like that every night but look the nba is like uh, it's about it's about what people expect from you right so even when Steph Curry or Clay Thompson or someone has a bad shooting night it kind of doesn't matter because they basically have the same effect on the on the game except they don't score as many points but the defense is just as stressed out every time they take take a shot right and so if he is if he can just be a consistent threat you know in the 40 percent range and you know he's capable of that you know he's um, he's he's definitely capable of shooting that well over the course of the season. Uh, so if he can keep it in that range, he's going to create all kinds of space. You saw, um, you know, the, the the Rockets had no answer for what for what the Pelicans had. They couldn't handle AD inside or Randall when he was on the floor. And then they the bigs either didn't want to or couldn't get out on Nico, or they would have a small guy switch on to Nico. We saw one three pointer where Chris Paul standing in front of him, and he just. He just shoots over and was like, "Well, well there's no need to even move here." Um, I mean, some of those threes he hit were ridiculous, but and, you know, a lot of them were open, open shots that he can hit. You know, so um, when he's going like that, it is extremely hard to beat the Pelicans because they've got the advantage inside, and then the, and they've got the advantage outside. Now, to your to the second part of that question about when he's not going like that, what well, can he contribute? Well, I mean, he's, he was still giving a great effort on the defensive side. Um, he was still, you know, fighting for offensive rebounds uh, and and doing a lot of the different dirty work. Um, That was one of the things I was most encouraged about with the bigs, just overall, because it was something I felt you could replicate. Like, if you play the Rockets 10 times, I'm not saying you're always going to have this result we had tonight. Definitely not. But some of those plays where, you know, the ball is up there, and AD and Nico especially, um, but also Randall you know, they're just skying over these guys. There's nobody on the floor who's literally uh, big enough to get a rebound over them in certain situations if if the ball's within their, their, their reach. So every time they play the Rockets, you know, they're not about to grow unless they make a trade. So that's going to be an advantage regardless. Now other things may fall apart um, in different games, but that'll always be there. So I was really encouraged about that. And, you know, Nico's a big part of that. So, you know, even if he's not shooting well, he's still seven feet tall, he's still he's gonna get a lot of rebounds. He still has a reputation as a shooter, uh, so he'll affect the defense in that way. So, um as long as he's a consistent threat over the season, I think, you know, it, it, it kinda of doesn't matter whether they fall or not on a on a given night.
0: David, we talked about the shortened rotation. We talked about uh, the high threshold of minutes played by Peyton, Holiday, and Davis. They each played over 37 minutes. Uh, obviously, this game was nationally televised. Obviously, it was against the number one seed in the Western Conference last year. And obviously, they can't play, you know, just seven guys 20 minutes a game for the remainder of the season with nobody else getting more than 10 minutes. And that was Solomon Hill. David, this game was clearly important to the New Orleans Pelicans. They clearly wanted to send a message to the Western Conference. They clearly wanted to put Anthony Davis in the national spotlight and get him love, some love and attention tonight. Just how important do you think this game was against their Southwest rival, the Houston Rockets? And do you think the Pelicans continue to show out like this with their short and eight-man rotation against other competitors on national television? Or do you think I'm reading
2: too much into this? let's not get too far ahead of ourselves because, you know, for the Rockets, their goal again, is, is a little bit different than the Pelicans. They made the Western conference finals last year. They're looking at long-term. They were, sh- they're going to go home tonight and say, you know, Chris Paul obviously is not the kind of guy who gives away games, but they're going to say we were shorthanded. We're going to get better as the season goes along. We'll make some acquisitions. That This was a much more important game a much more significant game for the Pelicans for both of the reasons you talked about plus one. One, it was important as a statement for the whole NBA to look and say, okay, the Pelicans may be legitimate contenders. The second was, yes, Anthony Davis needed this win. He needed to come out on opening night and show again for himself, I think, to show that he could back up what he said. And then the third thing is I think it's big for the city of New Orleans because you, as you watch social media tonight, and you saw the reactions of people who were engaged in this game who are excited about this game, and you're coming back for a homestand. You're playing Friday against a Sacramento Kings team that's not exciting on paper, but at the same time, it's a team that you know we had some notable losses against. It's a team with, what, eight guys who were 6'9 or bigger. So it should be a very different test. But you, you want Friday to be an electric uh, atmosphere at the Smoothie King Center. So I think all those things were important for the Pelicans. It wasn't as important for the Rockets tonight. but you're going to play them three more times. And each one of those games will also be, you know, more and more important as the season goes along. So I don't want to project too far on the future. Let's just say tonight you couldn't have asked for more out of the Pelicans. It couldn't have been any better. And for the Rockets, it's one loss. They'll look at it as one of 82. I think Alvin will look at it as one of 82. Um, But it was important. This was an important one. They'll put an asterisk next to this one as an important one of the 82 for the Pelicans.
0: All right. Shout out again to Ben DeBose of Locked on Rockets. We correctly predicted just the minutes threshold of James Harden, Chris Paul, um, and Eric Gordon in this one. And like David just mentioned, they were shorthanded. They also played a shortened rotation with just Michael Carter Williams, Eric Gordon, and Carmelo Anthony getting the bulk of the minutes. And Clint Capella just playing 26 minutes. So you had a lot of P.J. Tucker playing the five position as – David has mentioned. Ali, let's go over to you, sir. Uh, why don't you go ahead and take a victory lap for yourself? You, Kevin, uh, <laughs> predicted a win tonight. Uh, I can't remember who the third person was, but why don't you go ahead and mention it and, and run a victory lap for yourself, sir? Jamal
3: predicted as well, and he can join in, can he?
4: <laughs> yes, I can. Yes, I can. <laughs> well,
3: that was sweet. Now, you know, after the regular, right when the preseason ended, I was a little bit worried. I remember talking to David especially about how they looked and you were kind of worried. But then I started talking to players, and especially when you you kind of then look back at some of the games, which I did, you saw them kind of going, you know, at half speed, and then listen to AD just basically saying he really didn't try at all in preseason, and then you kind of picked up on the other guys doing it. And then, of course, and I looked at, um, you know, Anthony Davis wanted to make a statement. I just felt like that the Pelicans could come in and kind of catch the Houston Rocks on the first game of the season. You know, it's a long season. They're off of uh, where they missed making the the, uh, finals by just one game last season. So for them, they didn't have the longest of off seasons, and they are probably still – that might have still been in the back of their minds. But either way, they're not going to be up as much as, say, some team like the Pelicans who are being led by a leader who wants to prove a point. So I basically just went off that gut instinct, and and I got lucky. I'm curious, Jamil, what about you? What made you think that they were truly going to maybe possibly pull this one out?
4: Yeah. Well, that really, I was looking at it more just at, because I didn't think the Rockets could handle our size. Because if you remember in that unfortunate game when uh, DeMarcus Cousins went down against Houston, they were having a lot of trouble with the Pels' size, right, A.D. and, and at the time, Boogie. And, you know, that that situation only got tougher to deal with uh, with A.D. Uh, well I mean with them adding Julius Randle right so and when you start looking at the matchups I was thinking well okay well you can match Capella up with AD I mean I still advantage Pelicans Uh, and then who's going to guard Nico okay PJ Tucker but he's undersized Um, and then you've got you know Julius Randle who's you know who's also bigger than PJ Tucker and quicker than him I I didn't think the Rockets matched up well with the Pels my only question about you know, if they could pull off the win was, would they guard the perimeter? Would they give up a, a ton of open threes? Because I, I was thinking, oh, they're going to play fast. And if their defense looked at anything like it did in the preseason, um, you know, the Rockets could end up getting a bunch of open threes. And so that would kind of, uh, you know, bat, that would make up for the advantage you had it inside, you know, if you're giving up a bunch of open shots, but they were able to, you know, prevent Houston from taking as many threes as they uh, normally would like, and then you know didn't convert at 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 a high enough rate, so um, they were able to hold that backcourt down somewhat. Even though you know it's kind of crazy because you know almost getting a, I think Harden had a triple double or he was close, you know. But that's for him a, a down night, right? Because he wants to score. So you know they were able to do that, and I thought if they could do that, they would win, and and so that was my only question mark because like I said before, that you know of course it's one night, it doesn't mean. You know it's like you said one of eighty two right, but at the same time what i was what what I was hoping to see I saw in that there's so many times bigs in this league, and when you watch them play teams like the Rockets and others that play a similar style, they don't make them pay. How many times do we see guys you know Harden switch onto a big man, Chris Paul switch onto a big man, even last year on a d like Chris Paul would switch on. Ad and sometimes he would you know do a turnaround jumper and it's like dude take advantage and I, I thought that was really kind of a tone that Julius Randall was setting because the thing I love about him is he makes the small guy pay every single time and when he, Houston was switching everything regardless they didn't care and the Pelicans made them pay for it right they're bigger they're stronger uh but they're also able to get to to the rim on their own so um that was the advantage I felt the pels had they'll have it all four times they play. Now, will they be able to hold Harden down all four times? I don't know. That's that's the difference in whether they'll win or lose, probably.
3: All right. Thank I you, guys. question for you guys. I know
4: we, we've all been saying
3: it's just been one game, but I've got a question. And, you know, when, when the Moose finished, basically, for the most part, the offseason free agency and stuff, I figured that the Houston Rockets were going to be, you know, a notch or two below what we saw last season. Now, after mm-hmm. seeing just I know it's been one game, do you guys kind of agree with that sentiment, or do you think it's just even too early now to make to make such a prediction?
2: No, I think the Rockets absolutely took a step back in the offseason, and it's not just about, you know, people keep, you know, tonight broadcast about, well, you know, lost Luke, um, Mute and um, uh, Trevor Ariza. Well, it wasn't just about them. I think more importantly it was losing Jeff Bisdelic, who, who was in charge of the defense. And um, I think he was really important to them in creating their defensive identity. The Rockets were a top 10 defense last year. Uh, if they play the way they did tonight, they will not be Uh part of that's on their personnel, but also their schematically, they never made that adjustment. You know, if you, if, to me, if you're going to be that small and play against the Pelicans, then you, what you have to do is create more tempo and they didn't create more tempo. They let the, the Pelicans dictated at this pace that they wanted to, um, but and the Pelicans could slow it down if the initial break wasn't there, and then throw it into the bigs. And once they switched, it was over. So I think the Rockets, here are not a 65 win team this year. I think they'll, they'll probably be closer to like a 55 win team in my opinion um, than 65. Um, and, and remember, this is a Western Conference where there were only two teams that won 50 games. So with the West getting stronger. There has to be some regression for them, and I think there's going to be some regression again for the uh, for the Warriors too, as well. Yeah, definitely. I think they're a bit short-handed,
0: losing uh, Luke Mbamute and Trevor Ariza. Uh, those guys along the perimeter would have helped uh, in tonight's contest. And they're they're like the Pelicans. They're going to need to bolster their their depth, their bench. Uh, James Harden's not going to give you more than 35 minutes a night. Chris Paul, we've seen, is going to be somewhere around the 30-32 to 32 threshold. Eric Gordon is still nursing an injury. I don't know what they expect to get from Brandon Knight or Nene. Um, they also have uh, a young seven-footer. I'm not going to pronounce his name because Kelly Eco murdered me for it. But uh, they they have some pieces to to build on. They have some work to do to get back to the depth they had last year. And we still don't know what to expect from Melo. Uh, he was 3 of 10 tonight, negative 20. He's probably just figuring out uh, his place in this offense. We don't know if he'll return to some of his days from the Knicks and the Nuggets or if he's just – becoming that player that he was with Oklahoma city last year. Uh, Chris Paul says that he's not getting enough respect. So we'll have to see on that matter. Uh, you guys were at about the 45 minute threshold. So I want to go ahead and wrap up and just get some predictions and I'll start with Jamile. obviously the homecoming game against the Sacramento Kings on Friday night. Do you expect a letdown performance?
4: Uh, I do not. I mean, it's obvious that you could tell from this performance by the number of minutes they played and how, um, how intense they were, that, you know, the beginning of the season is important to them. We all know how, you know, and AD has been here the whole time, right? So he knows that, you know, you get off to a slow start in the West, you know, it can be tough sledding, you know, trying to get back into it. So I think that the start is important to them. They wanted to make a statement tonight against Houston. And, you know, coming home for a home opener against a a bad Sacramento team, you know, if you want to be the MVP, you don't come home and then lay an egg against against uh, Sacramento. And quite frankly, they're just a better team, right? They have more talent, more experience. Um, uh, so I-, I think they're going to get it done against the Kings. Um, maybe if you had a a better team, you can have a-, a slight letdown, but I think they're just going to have too much for the Kings. So I'm uh, taking the pills on that one.
0: David, we've got the Kings, the Clippers on Tuesday, and the Nets next Friday. Uh, what do you think the likelihood is that the Pelicans finish next week at 4-0? and
2: um. Well, I, I think it, the likelihood is 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 greater than the unlikelihood. I would say it's probably about eighty percent. I would put it at. Um. You know, it's it's always hard to get off. Um. To uh, undefeated start. Um. For a whole week, but. Um. Uh, the thing I like about the early start, the, the the early schedule, is that each of these teams is very different. Um. Houston tonight, obviously, is a team that wants to shoot threes. You go to Sacramento, a lot of long. Uh, bigs, and a lot of short guards. So stylistically, it's very different. And then you get the Clippers who are going to play another different style of basketball. And then you go to Brooklyn, who also wants to be a very paced, uh, up, up-tempo up team, um, but does it in a different way than the Rockets. They do shoot a lot of volume threes, um, but they have uh, some bigs who can protect the rim on the inside. Uh, so I think that's great for the Pelicans um, in allowing them to, to uh, be forced to play different uh, styles and tempos Over the first week while they all adjust to each other. But yeah, they should they should win um, all three of uh, those home games heading up into the Utah game, um, which obviously would be their toughest game after Houston. But yeah, I I think they can win uh, and be 4-0 by the end of next Friday. Ali Cosell, Alfred Payton, was the first player with a triple-double
0: in his debut game with a new team since Lewis Lloyd of Houston on October 29th, 1983, five days before I was born. Just how excited do you think the Smoothie King Center is going to be on Friday night? And we'll close with that.
3: I think they're going to be pretty pumped. It's I, I'm, I'm actually happy that it's going to be on a Friday night. It's going to give the fans a chance to come out of the game. And as we all know here in New Orleans, on regular weekday nights, especially when the football season is still going on, it, it's just difficult to get that Smoothie King Center to fill up. But I think, you know, some um, expectations building off of last year's success and now this huge win against Houston, it's going to have that SKC uh, arena pumped up. And I can't wait.
0: All right, you guys, let's close it on that. Thank you so much. Again, you can follow Ali Cosell at Ali Cosell, the editor-in-chief of thebirdrights.com. David Grubb, you can follow him at DM Grubb of Crescent City Sports and Jamile Dunn at jamdunn 6 uh, Thank you so much to them. I've got an article, uh, a recap. Uh, right now, and we'll probably convert that into a podcast or I'll post another one. Look out for Kevin Berrios. This guy, for sure, is probably going to give us 3,000 solid words on tonight's matchup in the Toyota <laughs> Center. So look for that tomorrow morning. Uh, for now, thank you all so much for listening. If you can do us a favor, I know I ask every week, rate us on iTunes, subscribe on iTunes, Spreaker, Google Play, wherever you get your podcast from. Uh, we'll be back probably with a preview of either the Kings or the Clippers this weekend. So look back for that. And then we'll have the whole gang back this weekend to preview the upcoming week in a bit more depth for now. Thank you guys for listening. I'm Preston Ellis. Let's go pals. Thank you for listening to The Bird Calls on the Off the Glass, Nothing But Net, and Up and Under podcast networks. If you like what you're hearing, please take a moment to rate us on iTunes, retweet, share with your friends, and most importantly, subscribe today.
3: The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box.
0: Oh, the moon, yeah. That's Hugo,
1: tickling the ivories. He just saved by bundling home and auto with Progressive. Gonna finally buy a ring for that gal of yours, Hugo? Send her my condolences. Hi-oh!
3: This next one's for you, too. There's
1: a burglar in my heart. Thank you. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discounts not available in all states or situations. Let's consider the secret life of the innermost nesting doll.